0: Good morning uh, I decided that in our congregation well i didn 't decide in our congregation but I decided that in our congregation that we often recognize uh, the Jewish holy days as part of our practice and remembrance and association with our Jewish brothers and sisters and that sometimes that we may forget where they come from or why we do the things that we do so I wanted to go back a little bit and discuss a little bit of the timeline from both the Older Testament and the Newer Testament that brings us to where we are today, Shavuot. We're going to talk a little bit about Passover. We're going to talk some about the counting of the Omer, and all the way up, like I said, to Shavuot. Um, We're going to do that in both the Older Testament and the Newer Testament. Uh, But first, I wanted to go over a little bit of uh, definition, some words, some of the holy days that we are familiar with, but uh, kind of bring it to mind once again. Uh, The first is Passover, or Pesach. Uh, which is the holy day that involves the sacrifice of the lamb. Um, Not anymore, as we know. Um, has the Seder meal, and it involves removing leaven from the house for eight days. After that time is Sefirat HaOmer, which we call the counting of the Omer. It starts on the second day of Passover, and the priests brought an Omer of barley as an offering before the Lord, and it starts the second day of Passover, and we'll talk a little bit more about that too. Uh, during this time, the Shephat HaOmer is also known as uh, the Festival of Weeks, culminating in Shavuot, which Shavuot means Festival of Weeks. Uh, and it remembers the anniversary of the giving of the Torah on Mount Sinai. Uh, and at that time, uh, Jews were required to present themselves to the Lord in the temple. So let's start first in Exodus 12. We're going to start at verse 1. doesn't leave a lot of room up here. The Torah and scrolls are up here. Exodus 12. We're going to do a lot of reading of Scripture. It's going to carry most of of the day, and not so much from me, even though I'm going to be reading the Scripture. Starting in verse 1, Now the Lord said to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, This month shall be the beginning of months for you. It is to be the first month of the year to you. Speak to all the congregation of Israel, On the tenth of this month, they are each to take a lamb for themselves, according to their father's households, a lamb for each household. Now if the household is too small for a lamb, then he and his neighbor nearest to his house are to take one according to the number of persons in them, according to what each man should eat. You are to to divide the lamb. Your lamb shall be an unblemished male, a year old. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats. You shall keep it until the fourteenth day, of the same month and the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel is to kill it at twilight moreover they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and on the lintel of the houses in which they eat they shall eat the flesh that same night roasted with fire and they shall eat it with unleavened bread and bitter herbs do not eat any of it raw or boiled at all with water but rather roasted with fire its head and its tail uh, its head and its legs along with its entrails And you shall not leave any of it over until morning. But whatever is left of it until morning you shall burn with fire. We're going to stop there uh, and skip to verse 14. Now this day will be a memorial to you, and you shall celebrate it as a feast to the Lord throughout your generations. You are to celebrate it as a permanent ordinance. Seven days you shall eat unleavened bread, but on the first day you shall remove leaven from your houses... For whoever eats anything leavened from the first day until the seventh day that person shall be cut off from Israel. On the first day you shall have a holy assembly and another a holy assembly on the seventh day. No work at all shall be done on them except what must be eaten by every person that you alone may be prepared by you. That alone may be prepared by you. You shall also observe the feast of unleavened bread for on this very day I brought your hosts out of the land of Egypt. Therefore, you shall observe this day throughout your generations as a permanent ordinance. In the first month, on the fourteenth day at evening, you shall eat unleavened bread until the twenty-first day of the month at evening. Seven days there shall be no leaven found in your houses, for whoever eats what is leavened, that person shall be cut off from the congregation, whether he is a native uh, an alien or a native of the land. You shall not eat anything leavened. All, in all your dwellings you shall eat unleavened bread." Then Moses called for the elders of Israel and said to them, Go and take for yourselves lambs according to your families and slay the Passover lamb. All right, that was a long portion, I know. Uh, But we see the instructions that are given for the first Passover and the first unleavened bread. And we see uh, that's supposed to be a perpetual statute. We learn that on the tenth day, in verses 2 and 3, that of this new month, Nisan, and the new year, that the Hebrews were to select a lamb and keep it until the fourteenth, verse six, and then slaughter it. In verse eighteen, the feast of unleavened bread was to take place from the fourteenth of Nisan through the twenty-first. And you might see some pla- You might see in some places, as I mentioned before, that uh, that un- that leaven is removed from the house for eight days. And even though it says seven days here, now the reason for that is a little bit complex. But the short answer is that there is an eighth day to prevent confusion in the diaspora of Israel before there was a fixed calendar. So that's the short answer. Um, so let's see, where are we at? So back in Exodus 12, if we go to verse 33, uh, we're going to read 33 to 41. The Egyptians urged the people to send them out of the land in haste, for they said, we will all be dead. So the people took their dough before it was leavened, their kneading bowls bound up in, clo- in clothes on their shoulders. Now the sons of Israel had done according to the word of Moses, for they had requested from the Egyptians articles of silver and gold and clothing. And the Lord had given the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians, so that they let them have their request. Thus they plundered the Egyptians. Now the sons of Israel journeyed from Ramses to Sukkot, about 6,000 men on foot, aside from children. A mixed multitude also went up with them, along with flocks and herds a very large number of livestock. They baked dough from which they had brought out of the Egypt into cakes of unleavened bread. For it had not become leavened, since they were driven out of Egypt and could not delay. Nor had they prepared any provisions for themselves. Now the time that the sons of Israel lived in Egypt was 430 years. At the end of 430 years, to the very day, all the hosts of the Lord went out from the land of Egypt. So this is the Exodus, the first Exodus. Well, I guess the only Exodus, right? Um, God leads his people to the Red Sea, as we see see in Exodus 13, verses 17 to 22, with Pharaoh and his army in pursuit. And then we see the deliverance in chapter 14. We're going to read a little bit of that, 14, 13. Moses said to the people, Do not fear, stand and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today for the Egyptians whom you have seen today you will never see them you will never see them again forever the lord will fight for you while you keep silent then the lord said to moses why are you crying out to me tell the sons of israel to go forward so on on this day god delivered his people now there's a little bit of debate in the timeline as i was doing my my research and study um it seems that the Jewish tradition believes that on the seventh day uh, from their exodus, that that is when God parted the Red Sea and they crossed. Because on that day, they stopped eating unleavened bread because they were no longer in haste from, uh, from the pursuing army of, of Egypt. I think, that from what I gather, the Christian tradition places it more around 24 or 25 days that it took them to get to the Red Sea. I don't know which it is exactly, but I like the idea that it is the seventh day because I think that it fits nicely. That it um, that God's provision for seven days and then deliverance. I think that that fits well with uh, what we know about our God and the symbolism that He provides uh, through His through His uh, Word. So now let us turn to Exodus fifteen. This is going to be pretty. Bible intensive here because we're establishing our timeline, but we'll get through it, guys. I promise. Exodus fifteen twenty two. Then Moses led Israel from the Red Sea, and they went out into the wilderness of Shur, and they went three days into wil- into the wilderness and found no water. Okay, so now we're at ten days, ten days after Passover, and then they traveled to. Uh, that's where they were traveled to the to the waters of Marah where God um, made the water pure and sweet, so it was not bitter anymore. And then they traveled to Elim, as we see in 15, verse 27. They came to Elim, where they were, there were 12 springs of water and 70 date palms, and they were camped there beside the water. From there, they went to the wilderness of Sin, as we look in Exodus 16.1. Then they set out from Elim, And all the congregation of the sons of Israel came to the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elim and Sinai, on the fifteenth day of the second month after their departure from the land of Egypt. So, fifteenth day of the second month is thirty days. Now, I prepared something for you guys. It's not a quiz. It's a little bit of a timeline. I'll pass that around, guys. So it starts with the Passover. So it star- I should, I should know that. So it starts with Passover. Um, you notice that there's blue. We can ignore the blue for the time because we'll get there. We're not there yet. Um, so it starts with Passover, um, and it counts the days... Um, of, of Passover and Un- Unleavened Bread, and of Shavuot all the way up to Shav- uh, Shavuot Day 50, which is the giving of the Torah. So that'll kind of help us as we travel along here in our scriptures. Um, Exodus 16, 17 to 18. The sons of Israel did so, and gathered much... and whoop, let me back up a little bit, because there's no context for that. Um... While in the wilderness of Sin, Israel was grumbling and rebelling about their food. And then God started providing manna and meat. And ex- Exodus sixteen, seventeen through 18 shows us the instructions for the people to gather an omer. The sons of Israel did so. Some gathered much, some gathered little. When they measured it with an omer, he who had much had no excess, and he who gathered little had no lack. Every man gathered as much as he could eat. Now, this time that we're, that we're ending right now is also called the counting of the omer. That, that omer is, is, this, is about a little over two quarts or half a gallon. Um, and that same size is what every individual would gather for their daily needs while the, they were wandering in the wilderness. Uh, from the wilderness, from, uh, sorry, lost my place. From the wilderness of seen the people moved to Rephidim, where God provided water again, this time from a rock that was struck. And then subsequently, the children of Israel came to the wilderness of Sinai, as we see in Exodus 19. In the third month, after the sons of Israel had gone out of the land of Egypt, on that very day, they came into the wilderness of Sinai. Now that is... Let's see... Lost my notes again sorry that is 45 days after leaving Egypt so you'll see here it says Shavu 45 that's when they come to the to the wilderness of Sinai uh, the children of Israel are commanded to consecrate themselves for two days and on the third day God would speak to them so if we add those three days to the 45 we just got we get 48. Now, Shavuot, as we know, takes place on day 50. So, to the best of my research, ability, and study, I figured you got some travel time, so to speak, of Moses going up and down the mountain. That's the best I can come up with. Um, So, connection, the counting of, of the Omer is intended to remind us of the link between Passover, which commemorates the Exodus, and Shavuot, which commemorates the giving of the Torah. It reminds us that the redemption from slavery was not complete until we received the Torah. Alright, so now that we have Passover to Shavuot timeline, let's look at the commandment to observe it, which is going to be in Leviticus 23. Starting at verse 4. These are the appointed times of the Lord, holy convocations, which you shall proclaim at the times appointed for them. In the first month, on the 14th day at twilight, is the Lord's Passover. Then, on the 15th day of the same month, there is the feast of unleavened bread to the Lord. For seven days you shall not eat unleavened bread. On the first day you shall have a holy convocation. You shall not do any laborious work. If you take a look at a timeline... I pointed out the days of uh, holy gatherings, which would be the second day, the 15th of Nisan. And then also on the eighth day, which would be the 21st. Verse 9, Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the sons of Israel, say to them, When you enter the land which I am going to give to you, and reap its harvest, then you shall bring in the sheaf of the first fruits of your harvest to the priest. He shall wave the sheaf before the Lord for you to be accepted. On the day after the Sabbath, the priest shall wave it. Now on the day when you wave the sheaf, you shall offer a male lamb one year old without defect for a burnt offering to the Lord. Its grain offering shall be two-tenths of an ephah, a fine mixed flour, an offering by fire to the Lord for a soothing aroma with its drink offering and a fourth of a hen of wine. Until this same day, Until you have brought in the offering of your God, you shall eat neither bread nor roasted grain nor new growth. It is to be a perpetual statute throughout your generations. Uh, In all your dwelling places, sorry. You shall also count for yourselves from the day after the Sabbath, from the day when you brought in the sheaf of the wave offering, there shall be seven complete Sabbaths. You shall count fifty days to the day after the seventh Sabbath, then you shall present a new grain offering to the Lord. You shall bring in from your dwelling places two loaves of bread for a wave offering made of two tenths of an ephah. They shall be a fine flour baked with leaven as first fruits to the Lord. Along with the bread you shall present seven one-year-old male lambs without defect and a bull of the herd and two rams. There to be a burnt offering to the Lord with their grain offerings and their drink offerings, an offering by fire of soothing aroma. You shall also offer one male goat for sin offering and two male lambs a year old for sacrifice of peace offering. The priest shall then wave them with the bread of the first fruits for a wave offering with two lambs before the Lord. They are to be holy to the Lord for the priest. On this same day you shall make a proclamation as well. You are to have a holy convocation. You shall do no laborious work. It is to be a perpetual statute in all your dwelling places throughout your generations." So we see several things there. We see the, the commands for offerings. Um, there's a, com- a command on the, the two days after Passover, which is when the counting of the Omer starts, and we see one on the last day. And traditionally, that the first one would be a barley offering because that ripens first in Israel. And then the second offering, the one on the, the 50th day, would be a wheat offering because that ripens later. Okay, so we've got a little bit of a timeline. We've got the commandment. Let's go to the New Testament and take a little bit of a look at that. We're going to go to Luke 24 first. So we're going to be looking at from the time of the resurrection up through uh, Pentecost, which if you read the title of the sermon... I put Ascension, it should have been Pentecost. So, from Passover to Pentecost. All right, Luke 24, verse 1. But on the first day of the week, early at dawn, they came to the tomb, bringing the spices which they had prepared. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men suddenly stood near them in dazzling clothing. And the women were terrified and bowed their faces to the ground. The men said to them, Why do you seek the living one among the dead? He is not here, but he has risen. Remember how he spoke to you while he was still in Galilee, saying that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and the third day rise again? And they remembered his words and returned from the tomb and reported all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. Now there they were Mary Magdalene, and Joanna, and Mary, the mother of James. Also the other women with them were telling these things to the apostles. But these words appeared to them as nonsense, and they would not believe them. But Peter got up and ran to the tomb. Stooping and looking in, he saw the linen wrappings only, and he went away to his home, marveling at what had happened. And behold, two of them were going that very day to the village named Emmaus, which was about seven miles from Jerusalem and they were talking with each other about all these things which had taken place. While they were talking and discussing, Jesus himself approached and began traveling with them. Alright, so day one of Jesus' resurrection, we've got him, let's see, let's look at 16 Nisan. Yes, 16 Nisan. We have Jesus' resurrection. And on that same day, he appeared to Mary Magdalene, and the other Marys, and the other women, and he went, uh, traveled with two men on the road to Emmaus, explaining the scriptures to them, because they did not understand all the connections. And then later on, he appeared to the disciples. If We turn to John chapter 20. Nope, sorry, that's skipping ahead. We need to look at 30. Uh, Luke 24, 30. That's still the Emmaus stuff. Sorry. We're going to skip to 36. Um, so these... Let me start over. Hold on, jokes. Luke 24. We're going to go to 33. That'll give us a little more context. So these... They are the two men from Emmaus. They got up that very hour and returned to Jerusalem and found gathered there the eleven and those who were with them, saying, The Lord has really risen and has appeared to Simon. They began to relate their experiences on the road and how he was recognized by them in the breaking of the bread. While they were telling these things, he himself stood in their midst and said to them, Peace be to you. So we've got the ladies he appeared to, the road to Emmaus, the two men who were traveling, and then to his 11 disciples. And that's all on the same day that the first fruits offering is made. So Jesus dying... Uh, as the Passover lamb, and then raising as a first fruits offering. It's a symbolism, symbolism that we're going for here. Okay, now we're going to turn to John, chapter 20, 26. So this is going to be eight days later. After eight days, his disciples were again inside, and Thomas with them. Jesus came, Jesus came, the doors having been shut, and stood in their midst, and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Reach here with your finger and see my hands, and reach here your hand and put it into my side, and do not be unbelieving, but believing. Thomas answered and said to him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Because you have seen me, have you believed? Blessed are they who did not see, and yet believed. Alright, so we've got we're eight days into Shavuot. At this time. After that, Jesus appeared to his disciples at Galilee, where he said that he would meet them. Where Jesus says that he would meet them happens in Mark. 16. Verse 7. I'm going to start at verse 6, though. And he said to them, Do not be amazed. You are looking for Jesus the Nazarene, who has been crucified. He has risen. He is not here. Behold, the place where they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter, He is going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. And now we're going to flip back to John 21. Bless you. After these things, Jesus manifested himself again to the the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias, and he manifested himself in this way. Simon Peter and Thomas called Didymus, and Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, and the sons of Zebedee and the two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. And he said to them, they said to him, we will come with you. They went out and got into the boat, and that night they caught nothing. But when the day was now breaking, Jesus stood on the beach, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. So Jesus said to them, "'Children, you do not have any fish, do you?' And they answered, "'No.' He said to them, "'Cast the net on the right-hand side of the boat, and you will find a catch.' So they cast, and then they were not able to haul it in because of the great number of fish. Therefore that disciple whom Jesus loved said to, said to Peter, "'It is the Lord.'" So when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put, on, he put his outer garment on, for he was stripped for work, and threw himself into the sea. But the other disciples came in the little boat, for they were not far from the land, but about a hundred yards away, dragging the net of fish. So when they got out on the land, they saw a charcoal fire already laid, and fish placed on it, and bread. Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish which you have now caught. Simon Peter went up and drew the net to the land, full of large fish, 153. And although there were so many, the net was not torn. So Jesus instructs his disciples, after a night night of fishing without any catch, to throw their nets to the other side. And then he eats a meal with them. And we're going to turn to Acts now. Acts 1, I think for most of us that's probably just a page turn. Acts 1, 3 says, To those he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many convincing proofs proofs appearing to them over forty days and speaking of the things concerning the kingdom of God. So we've got Jesus appearing to his disciples and others all the way through Shavuot day 40. That's, and, then, and then his ascension, which we, which we find. Uh, before we turn, look at the ascension, we're going to read a little bit in Luke 24. It'll give us some, a little better context for what we're going to read about the ascension. So we're going to look in Luke 24, starting 49 through 53. Keep your places and acts if you haven't already lost it. And behold, I am sending forth the promise of my Father upon you. But you are to stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. And he led them out as far as Bethany, and he lifted up his hands and blessed them. While he was blessing them, he parted from them and was carried up into heaven. And they, after worshiping him, returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple praising God. Alright, so Jesus tells them to stay in Jerusalem. Now, it seems like they came from Jerusalem to Galilee and back to Jerusalem in a short time. I haven't mapped out how long it takes to walk from any of those places, but if you notice, if you look at your little timeline again, on the 15th of Nisan, which is the second box on here, there's a holy convocation, a holy gathering, right? And then on the 21st, there's another holy gathering. And then on the last day, there's also another holy gathering. So it makes sense that they were in Jerusalem because they were required to be, uh, by the the laws that God had set forth, that they were to be part of the holy gathering, the holy convocation. Okay, so now we're going to look in Acts again. We're going to turn to 2, and we're going to look at 1 through 15. When the day of Pentecost had come... They were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a noise like a violent, rushing wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there, and there appeared to them tongues as of fire, distributing themselves, and they rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues, as the Spirit was giving them utterance. Now there were Jews living in Jerusalem, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, the crowd came together and were bewildered because each one of them was hearing and speaking in his own language. They were amazed and astonished, saying, Why are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that each hear them in their own language to which we were born? Parthian, Parthians, Medes, Elamites, and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Persia, and Pamphylia, and Egypt, and districts of Libya and around Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them in our own tongues, speaking of the mighty deeds of God. And they all continued in amazement and great perplexity, saying to one another, What does this mean? But others were mocking and saying, They are full of sweet wine. But Peter, taking his stand with the eleven, raised his voice and declared to them, Men of Judea... And all of you who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you, and give heed to my word. For these men are not drunk, as you suppose, for it is only the third hour of the day. Now we see in verse 2 that the word house is used here. And it is more likely than not that disciples were actually in the temple. There are plenty of times in scripture where the word temple or the temples of our bodies, are referred to as a house. And additionally, lending weight to the fact that they were at the temple, is that this day was a holy day in which they were required to be at the temple. And there were Jews from all over the world present there, whom Peter addresses. At this time, we call it Pentecost, because Pentecost is the Greek word for 50th. So, I hope I have drawn connections and helped us understand a little bit about this beautiful picture and the connections that we have from the very first Passover and the giving of the Torah all the way to Jesus, our Passover lamb, and the giving of the Holy, Holy Spirit, which was obviously designed by the Lord of heaven and earth. Let's pray.